0: The blast from our past network.
1: Hello and welcome to the Blast From Our Past podcast. We are the podcast that brings you full-on movie breakdowns, TV show reviews, and more, all from the things of our nostalgic past. I'm John. And I'm Adam. And today we have another album review for you. This one's going to be a lot of fun. This is really kind of our first uh, almost greatest hits, although we mm-hmm. did have an accidental greatest hits, not knowing it was a greatest hits when we uh, did Zoot Suit Riot mm-hmm. by Cherry <laughs> Pump and Daddies, not realizing it was actually a greatest hits album. Um, this is, I believe, our first sort of deliberate one, and I believe also our first live album. Is this our first yeah, live one we're doing? I think so. Uh, so we are going to be reviewing the 1997 album The Dance by Fleetwood Mac. Now, you might be thinking, you know, of all the Fleetwood Mac albums to do, you know, why, why do this one? Why not do Rumors, you know, the one mm-hmm. that famously put them, really put them on the map? Um, Well, I mean, it is a great album, and it would definitely be one I'd be willing to talk about. But this one, I remember so much more because it was kind of a a big event at the time. Mm -hmm. Uh, They hadn't put out an album in almost 10 years. They basically, for all intents and purposes, had been broken up. And this was kind of like their their coming back. Uh, I believe this was on the heels of the Eagles' comeback album, Hell Freezes Over. And I think maybe that was what kind of sparked this.
2: Yeah. <laughs> it had been like 10 uh, years or more since they'd all recorded. And like, well, we all ran out of Coke and we all ran out of uh, money. So let's <laughs> get back together <laughs> and do this.
1: Um, I do remember very much when this uh, came out because MTV uh, ran the actual concert on mm-hmm. television several times. Uh, uh, who knows? PBS may have run it on a telethon, too. Mm-hmm. Um, I remember it was kind of a big deal. And... Because that was kind of like right in the middle, well, not in the middle of the 90s, but in the end of the 90s, uh, it, it stuck into my head more than doing Rumors, which came out before I even I was born. So this felt like it was a, a much more poignant album to do.
2: Yeah, I mean, it, it definitely fits in our nostalgia wheelhouse just because of the time that it came out and the you know the event that it was. For me, I mean, our mother might, oh, she definitely had some of their other albums, I believe, Tango in the Night. Um, there was another yes. one called Mystery to Me. Uh, which was one actually that Fleetwood Mac did. I think it was even before uh, Steve or uh, before Lindsey Buckingham and um, yeah, uh, Steve it was with Nicks Bob Welch.
1: Out. Yeah, Stevie Stevie Nicks was on that
2: one, but Bob Welch uh, was the main uh, gotcha.
1: male singer, I believe. Yeah, yeah.
2: Um, which is a good album as well. Like their stuff, actually, their old old stuff. Uh, is actually pretty pretty bluesy and pretty and you know a lot of people yeah. kind of don't give that credit. Then it kind of turned poppier with uh, Lindsey Buckingham and, and Stevie Nicks kind of taking you know leads with some of their singing and, and doing the songwriting. Um, but for me, you know, I for some reason I don't remember too much about the whole you know live event. Um, you know, yeah, I'm sure it was mm. a, quite a big thing. But this is the album that I'm nostalgic for because it is one that got a lot of play in our household. Yeah. Um, our mom had this this CD and she played it like crazy. Um, Like (laughs) I, it was all the time. And so like I heard these songs and I heard specifically these versions all the time to the point where, you know, even just doing some of the research on here, I learned some of the songs only appeared on this album or, or, you know, there were the first time that some of these songs came out and I was like, wait a minute, these aren't, fucking Fleetwood Mac classics. Like every single one of these is a big song to me because this is the album right. that I listen to almost as a greatest hits um, where it's kind of a surprise even now listening to them and be like, you know, that's, that's not a, you know, Fleetwood Mac song that hit, you know, in the top 10 a long time ago. That's a, that's a shocker. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> that's definitely something that I remember um, with this album. I will say this album, this live album, the dance, it debuted at number one on the billboard 200 uh, it became mm-hmm. the fifth the fifth best selling live album of all time in the U.S., selling a million copies within eight weeks. Uh, spending more than seven weeks in the top 40, and eventually selling over six million copies worldwide. Six million copies. Uh, the
1: album was recorded on uh, May 23rd of 1997. It was recorded actually the Warner Brothers studio. Mm. So this was not really, I mean, it was a live event, but mm-hmm. it was not necessarily a live concert that they happened to yeah. record. <laughs> this was recorded purposefully to be a live album and you know and uh, television event
2: so yeah which you can kind of tell like why I mean everything sounds almost like studio quality it's that good and I right. guess it, it pretty much is <laughs> yeah uh,
1: yeah they they uh, I believe I read they they purposely isolated um, everything very well so that if they had to do any overdubs mm. for the mm-hmm. album they could they could go in and do it easily <laughs> put out, put out by the reprise label and produced by Lindsay Buckingham and a man named uh, Elliot Shiner. Um, one thing I wanted to add it to add to what you said, uh, Adam, um, I remember this album so much in that some of these live versions, I almost prefer to their oh, studio versions, not yeah. all of them. some no of them bad. are some of them are not as good as the studio versions. Some of them are comparable. I could mm-hmm. listen to either and be fine. Um, but a couple of them, I actually prefer the live versions yeah. to uh, to the studio versions and I'll probably mention some of those as we yeah. uh, as we go through. Yeah, I I fully agree with you on that. The uh, personnel on this one was the, and I can't really say classic lineup, because (laughs) the classic lineup has changed so many times Mm -hmm. uh, from uh, the beginning where uh, a guy named Peter Green was kind of one of the guys who really put the band together uh, and uh, changed singers several times before they settled on uh, Lindsey Buckingham and uh, Stevie Nicks. And really it was the album Rumors, I think, that really kind of people see is like the beginning of that stage. Uh the album before that is when they kind of got together, but Rumours is when it took off. Oh yeah, absolutely. It's it's sort of like it's this lineup's Nevermind. Like we know Bleach happened, but Nevermind is what defined, you know, defined okay. the sound. And Rumours is what de- defined their sound coming in coming into the 80s at the end of the 70s and into the 80s. Mm-hmm. Uh, So it was Stevie Nicks, Lindsey Buckingham, Christine McVie, John McVie, and Mick who was kind of the classic lineup when we think of the Rumors lineup. Yeah. Uh, They had a few musicians, Brett Tuggle, Neil Haywood, uh, Lenny Castro, Sharon Solani, Mindy Stein, who were uh, various background vocals, background instruments, and even credited uh, Dr. Arthur C. Bartner, who was the director of the USC Trojan Mm Marching Band, which we'll talk about them when Mm -hmm. we get to a couple songs. Adam, do you have anything else to add before we go into it?
2: Um. the The last thing I want to add is this is an album I don't stay away from for long. Uh, like it's one that I will listen to, and I'm not even talking about just like a couple of the songs. Like I will do like a full listen to this song. I don't know, every six months or to this album. I mean, every six months, every, at least every year, you know, like mm-hmm. it's not one that I have like, Oh man, I haven't heard these songs in a year or whatever. It's like, no, man, I listen to every fucking one of these songs. Like I love this <laughs> album. So it's, you know, uh, spoiler alert, it, this gets a thumbs up from me, man. Um, but <laughs> I just want to say like, yeah, this is, this is one that I keep going back to because these are some of, as you mentioned, some of the definitive versions of these songs to me because I heard them so much. I didn't hear the studio version is of Rumors, you know, songs and stuff from all the other albums. Um, but this this one, I did. So I just, mm-hmm. I, I kind of keep going back to it. And so uh, I'm stupid excited to be listening to it and uh, talking about it today. All right. Well, let's dive
1: into it. And we start off with a fun little uh, sort of build up version with the song I think really works very well as an opening song, which opened up mm-hmm. their... Uh, I believe it was 1977 album Rumors which was called The Chain
3: Listen to the wind blow
1: This is a great song. I love this song. Yeah. It, it has a nice build. Uh, as a bass player, I, this was one of the songs I learned to how to play when I was a teenager, uh, just because I thought the the bass riff was very, very cool and funky. Um, and this is, oddly enough, in this whole album, this is the only song that's actually credited to all of the members having
2: uh, as the writers. Mm-hmm.
1: Nice. So this was obviously a collaborative song.
2: Yeah, it's, uh, the way you put it, like, building is actually, that was exactly my note. I said, this is a great building song. Um, it just gets faster and faster, more energy, etc. cetera. Uh, great starts to the album. I love how it starts off with just a fantastic, like, harmonizing by the band. The band, like, mm-hmm. sings together very well, as much as, you know, they hated each other at some point. <laughs> um, which we might, maybe we'll talk about some of the drama that happened with these, these guys. Um, but... You know, this is just a fantastic, moving, get-you-going song. Like, it, it's been used in multiple movies and things like that. I believe Guardians of the Galaxy 2. I used this one. Or maybe it was the mm-hmm. first one. I can't. It was one of those. Uh, but it just, it freaking works, and it gets you pumped. It gets you ready for this album. Um, and I love, and I, I, I can't remember if it's Mick Fleetwood or Lindsey Buckingham, who's uh, kind of doing some background vocals at the end of the song, but um, and it works. It just it's just fantastic as well. Uh, just in general, like you know, some of like the screams and stuff that are going on. It's uh, it's good stuff. Yeah. So,
1: well, it would probably be uh, Lindsey Buckingham. Yeah, for in so. general purposes, it's mostly uh, Christine McVie, yeah. uh, Stevie Nicks, and Lindsey Buckingham do the singing. Um, and, uh, Mick Fleetwood obviously doesn't, I don't think does a lot of singing because he's behind the drums and mm-hmm. John McVie, who's the bass player, uh, never sang except for one track when yeah. they even make a point of <laughs> saying yes, that he sings too. cause that's such, it was such an unlikely but event. But you can't
2: pick him out like at all. I couldn't pick him out. Oh no,
1: <laughs> no, no. He, he blended into it. Fine. And we'll talk about that when we get to that one. Mm-hmm. Um, I have, I have one complaint about this song and it kind of bleeds into the rest of the album. So Lindsey Buckingham has a very distinct guitar style. Mm -hmm. Um, He used one, pretty much the same guitar throughout the entire thing, regardless of whether he was using it for distortion or something, you know, any other particular type of sound. Uh, He has this sort of, it's an acoustic guitar, and he uses a finger-picking style. That's just been his style. He doesn't use a pick. He uses his fingers. To me... Only complaint I'm going to have about this song is I don't like the mix of the guitar in this album. Or, not, I shouldn't say album, in, particularly in the song. To me, mm-hmm. it sounds like when he's uh, kind of picking some of the lead stuff, it's too loud. It's not blended into mm. the group as much. It feels like it's sticking out. Um, uh, the tone of his guitar. Okay. Uh, it just sounds. I don't know. I don't want to say it sounds too live, but his tone to me doesn't blend well with the rest of the out al- with the rest of. I kinda say, quit saying album because I don't really mean album. It's this only happens to me on, on this in one. my head. Okay. And, uh, on a, on a, this track, and maybe have a couple other yeah, ones, more. but okay. this is the one it really sticks out on. Okay. So that's my only complaint is that I feel like I feel like his guitar probably got should have gotten mixed down a little bit more into
2: the blend. Fair enough. That's a very technical note from a technical man. (laughs) Um, I just, I want to say I appreciate Lindsey Buckingham's uh, style of guitar. He, he, I think he's a guitarist that a lot of people maybe don't associate as a great guitarist, but I love his style. And some some of these songs Mm -hmm. later, like you really see the guy can do some great stuff, you know, while picking on the guitar. I love it. Um, yeah, and I love the song. It it uh, the this version actually. Um, I don't remember if the original version charted at all. I'll, I'll take a quick look. But this version from from the dance it actually charted. They they did put it out as a single, and it reached number thirty on the U.S. rock charts. So it didn't hit, hit the Billboard uh, Hot one hundred, but it did it did uh, hit the, the rock charts. So when you talked about his
1: style. Um, he definitely has a, uh, I mean, not a necessarily a unique style. What he does, a lot of other people have done. But for rock guitarist, it is a, a unique style. He uses something mm-hmm. uh, called the Travis picking method, where he basically um, divides his guitar into two parts, the bass and the melody, mm-hmm. and he will play a, uh, an alternating bass line with his thumb. While picking the melody with the rest of his fingers. So, if when he's, and you really, really will see this when we talk about the song Big Love. Mm-hmm. Uh, because yeah. it sounds like there's multiple guitars going on, but it's just him. Um, and it's a specific style of picking where you you kind of create a bass line with your thumb and the rest of your fingers plays
2: everything else. It's impressive. Uh, and I did check yeah. it out. The chain did not chart uh, the original version. So, this is actually okay. the, the only charting that it did.
1: Well, I'm ready to move on. If you are, we got mm-hmm. a lot. Of, we got a lot to cover on this one. There are 17 tracks on this yeah. album. It is. It is kind of a, a a greatest hits, best of, whatever.
2: Yeah. No, I'm. I'm happy to keep uh, moving, John.
1: All right. Well, let's move on to Stevie Nicks' lead song called "Dreams." Classic Stevie Nicks song, so yeah. good. Um, it's one of those ones that kind of uh, sneaks in, in that I always kind of forget about it until it starts. I'm like, oh yeah, this song. And then when the when the uh, when the chorus happens, then I'm fully invested.
2: Yeah, this uh, this is their only song, or the original anyway. Uh, hit number one back in 1977 off, I think it was the Rumours album, uh, mm-hmm. and it was I think their only song to actually hit number one. So probably their their biggest hit of all time. Um, but yeah, right. This is a great. And it's a chill song. It is fantastic. Stevie Nicks' voice is fantastic. Um, I love... Actually, you know, I wouldn't say this version is better than the original, but I would say I think, you know, I guess with Stevie Nicks' age a little bit, she gets a little bit more gruff in her voice Mm -hmm. uh, in this album that she does in some of them, and I think it works well for this version. Um, But it's it's beautiful, beautiful song, um, beautiful vocals, everything. This is the kind of song to me that I sit back... I want to have some cocoa. I want to close my eyes and just let the song kind of take me away. Um, all right, I really don't actually have to have too much to add to that. Yeah, I mean it's a it's a classic song. I think most people know it. Most people appreciate it, um, and right. it is uh, it's just it's
1: it's an all time great. All right, well let's move on to number three, and they they're kind of changing up, uh, doing leads here. Mm-hmm. We had actually I wouldn't say Lindsey Buckingham really kind of led the chain. It was really a Really all of them together that mm-hmm. really kind of led the chain. Um, and then we had Stevie Nixon, and then now we're going to get a song led by Christine McVee. Uh formerly actually uh formerly her name was Christine Perfect before she married <laughs> uh John McVee. That's a good name. Christine Perfect. Yep. All right. and this song is called Everywhere.
3: Can you hear me calling oh,
1: So this song, uh, I believe, actually came off of their Tango in the Night album. I mm-hmm. um, believe Dreams and The Chain were both of Rumors. A lot of these songs are going to be off of Rumors and then a few kind of s- scattered in from other ones. Yeah. Some um, off of the
2: Fleetwood Mac album as well. And I think there's one, off, of, well, off of, uh, one obviously off of the Tusk album. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, this is another great classic song. Um,
1: I love the way it, it comes in with a sort of uh, arpeggiated uh, keyboard part that, I'm assuming Christine McVie is kind of doing that, and then her voice—I love her voice—and and and how it blends in with the rest of them because you have, you have sort of a soprano in in Stevie Nicks, you have kind of a like kind of a tenor in Lindsey Buckingham, and then mm-hmm. Christine McVie kind of fits like right in the middle there. Yeah. So she's got she's got a kind of a, a kind of a gruff voice for, uh, for a woman, but it works
2: so well, and she can actually hit some pretty good high notes as well. Yeah, I think for the longest time I didn't know that Chris, when Christine McVie was singing. When I was younger, I thought that was Lindsey Buckingham. You know, I thought or no. I thought that was a dude. You know, I was like, oh, okay, or whoever. I thought it was McFleawood or whatever. Yeah. I did not. I didn't know that that was a female singing. But like, her voice works really well. Um, I like Lindsey Buckingham's finger picking. Um, hopefully, this one's mixed a little bit better for you on this song. But I think it works so <laughs> yeah. good in this song. Yeah. Um, and yeah, we do get that a little bit later. I think this is a sweet song. It, it makes you think about love. You know, it makes you thinking about, you know, maybe new love. You, you kind of want to be around that person all the time. You want to be with them everywhere. It's just, it's just kind of fun, man. The, and the, uh, uh the original, uh, off the Tango in the Night album, you said, uh, it hit number 14 back in 1987.
1: I, and I, I kind of want to add this in. Um, after I listened to this album, I went back and listened to Tango in the Night. Because mm. uh, I hadn't, I've not listened to that album in so long, and I forgot how much our mother must have obviously played it because <laughs> I knew almost every oh. song on that album. Like I started, oh, well. to, I was like, "Oh, I know this one! I know this one!" and and what kicked what kicked it off for me when we talk about it was how different the original version of Big Love sounds. Mm. And I'm like, "Oh God! Oh, I remember this!" and then I started, I almost remembered almost every song on that album. Um, so she must have played it a yeah. lot up until this one came out and then <laughs> changed it to this one.
2: Nice. Because I'll have to do the same. Uh, Man, that, that would yes. be fun to do. Uh, all right, oh, so was it, let's Tango, move on did Tango, to... Did uh, Little Lies... Was Tango in the Night and uh, Little Eyes in that one? I believe so, yes. Okay. Yeah, and then I, yeah, I probably remember a good bit of those. That's a great song,
1: too. Yeah. So. Yeah, it is. Um, there's. It's amazing how many of the songs didn't make this album. Yeah. There were several songs... There were several songs that didn't make the album that were on the uh, live version. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, the Or the DVD. I shouldn't say the live version. This is the live version, but was on the DVD. Um, like, Gold Dust Woman was on there. Gypsy was on there. Okay. Um, oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, Gypsy's a pretty darn big hit. Uh, Over My Head, Christine McVie, uh, Buckingham put another one on there. So there were actually several songs that were on the DVD that
2: didn't make the cut in the actual live album.
1: Okay. Are you ready to, uh, to move
2: on? I am. One of the more stranger-sounding names. I've never met anyone with this name, but I haven't either. Yeah, but uh, they got a song about him,
1: and we're talking about Rhiannon. This is a song that I because of the way they start this song in the beginning uh, in this album I tend to forget how the chorus goes mm. I was <laughs> like oh yeah it's Rhiannon. how's this go again uh, I don't think I want to listen to this one and then when it finally kicks in I'm like oh yeah. yes okay now I'm now I'm more into it um I don't really like the I like I like the the beat that that Mick Fleetwood puts behind it
2: yeah it's uh it's good I like I think. Stevie Nix's raspier voice that she's got now at the, at the at the age of you know in 1997 um and from all probably all the coke that she did it ruined probably some of her vocal bass <laughs> uh, I actually I in all the the research that I did uh, in some of these songs, you find out just how much cocaine these people were having and how much yeah. how many like, you know, love affair, love triangle battles that were all coke-induced and shit like that. Apparently, Stevie Nicks at one point was doing so much coke, she had a dime-sized hole in her inside of her nose uh, for that much blow. So, uh, yeah. Don't do not do drugs, kids. <laughs> uh, uh, but I think the rasp works really well for this version and for the song Rhiannon. Um, yeah. You know, I think it's fun. It's, it's, you know, when you kind of listen to it, it's about, like, a complicated, mysterious woman, someone who may have been hurt by love, might have trust issues, but, like, I like, you know, uh, all of these, all the lyrics on these songs. And some of the times the lyrics kind of contradict how fun and kind of not, not, I wouldn't say boppy the song is, but, like, you know, how kind of, like, nice and sweet the song might sound, but it's actually talking about, it's kind of, like, giving you a big middle finger uh, to, like, mm-hmm. some guy later. You know, some other songs down the line have that. um, Not so much this one, but... I just, in general, I think this is a solid version. And I think this is a fantastic song. Um, the original back in 1976, I think off of the Fleetwood Mac album, uh, it hit number 11. So another, you know, pretty decent-sized hit. Yeah, and, a- and just as you mentioned, uh, it did come off of their
1: 1975 album Fleetwood Mac, mm-hmm. which incidentally is their second album titled Fleetwood Mac. Um, <laughs> their, very, their very first album with, uh, with Peter Green in 1968, was called also called Fleetwood Mac. Uh, I believe the the I believe the second one, the one that came out in '75, is affectionately known as the White Album. For okay. Fleetwood Mac, for whatever reason, probably for uh, cocaine. But, <laughs> all yeah. the cocaine they did. <laughs> uh, all right. Well, let's move on to number five, uh, which is off of originally off of the uh, also the Fleetwood Mac album, which is called "I'm So Afraid." Hello oh. Might be the only real song on this album that I will immediately skip. Really, I don't. Th- this song does nothing for me.
2: Okay, I'll give it to you for like the beginning portion. Okay, like the first okay. part. But like, Lindsey Buckingham has you know it has the, the, in the in the song in general has a lot of good emotion to it, um, and I like that it's got a little bit of a different feel. It definitely has a different sounding feel than the other songs. It does. It yeah. does
1: and I appreciate that they did that there's, there's just nothing going on In the song that really is doing anything for me When I listen to it
2: When you get to the end of the song though like There is like just the guitar just kind of wailing And going on and it's it's the portion where I kind of just like I just zone out And I just honestly I find myself just kind of like Moving back and forth and moving my head To just like the wailing that, that, that they're Doing on this one so I mean I can understand Yeah the first, first half of the song John And maybe that's the problem just give it time Skip to the end and just listen <laughs> Listen, listen to the uh, to the, the song and let it groove you away. It's not grooving you. It's kind of it's moving you good, um, and it's got a lot of emotion to it. But okay. I mean, fair enough. I can see what you mean because it is a departure from a lot of the other stuff, mm-hmm. and it isn't a hit. Like, you know, it's kind of funny that they chose to add this one, and they didn't add some of their other big hits like Hold Me, Gypsy, or whatever on this album, but they kept I'm So Afraid. That is kind of funny.
1: Uh, all right. Well, I have nothing more to add to Did I even say the title of the song?
2: I don't know, I don't think you did. I'm so afraid. Yeah, that well there you go.
1: <laughs> I'm not sure you did or not. Alright, and then we're going to move in to the next one, which is a Christine McVie song, which she actually she wrote with a guy named Eddie Quintella, and that is a song called Temporary One. another classic song uh this one it came off of it's
2: not a classic john (laughs) this is a new song for this album oh was it really yeah isn't that 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 was that's exactly what i put on my note though like i think of this one as being a
1: classic song I, i yes for some reason i'm like oh yeah this was off of uh something else no
2: This
3: is, this
2: is first appears on this album. And, and, but I had the exact same note, you know, it wasn't from any other studio albums, you know, which it it sounds like a, like, it sounds like a great Fleetwood Mac sound that you've heard somewhere else and you've heard it for years, you know, and it must've just been the amount of times we listened to it on here, but like, no, this is, this is a great Fleetwood Mac song or Fleetwood Mac song. And I'm, I'm just with you, John, (laughs) I'm surprised, (laughs) but I was like, yeah, I, I get that feeling. It's so good. Um, It's such a great,
1: um, such a great chorus. It's, you know, it's, it's, uh, it's upbeat and catchy, Mm -hmm. but still poppy. Um, ah, It's just
2: fun. It's so much fun. It's fun. It's almost symbolic of Fleetwood Mac kind of getting together. You know, they were talking Mm -hmm. about, you know, the river divide us, but the bridge will bring us back together. Also, it's also kind of nice because, you know, a bridge is also a part of a song. I I think that's kind of cute. You know, I don't know (laughs) if they use a bridge in the song or not, whatever, but... It is kind of it kind of works in a lot of ways where this band obviously had a whole bunch of, you know, blow ups and people leaving and whatnot. But now they're all back together after so many years um, after, you know, this rough time and and here this song is going to do it It kind of to me. That's that's where I interpret when I when I hear the song. But, yeah, it it sounds so perfectly in sync with every other Fleetwood Mac song that it is just a shock that it it wasn't one that they had before. So.
1: All right. Good stuff. Mm-hmm. All right, and now we're going to move on to a Lindsey Buckingham original song called Bleed to Love Her.
3: Once again, she steals away. she reaches out to kiss me
1: This was actually always one of my favorites when uh, when I was a teenager. After I heard this one, mm-hmm. because it was it was one that you know he even says up front this was uh, you know how this whole thing came apart uh, came about was he was working on a solo album. Um, he had Mick Fleetwood come in and play drums, and then like one by one they started kind of adding a few people, and then they're like all of a sudden they found themselves in the studio going, "Hey, this feels this feels right." Mm-hmm. Um, oddly enough. The solo album that Lindsey Buckingham talks about a couple times in this in this album
2: never materialized. Yeah, he they, this this song did come out in a yes. Fleetwood Mac album later, but this yeah, is the first uh, time we hear it called "Say You Will," which was released in two thousand three.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, and it's
2: it's a great version. It's a studi- it's, it just
1: sounds like a studio version of what they already yeah, did here. But
2: this this is the better version in my opinion. Um, mm. I I'm with you. I. Always liked this song, and actually, I will say this is one of my favorite songs of all time. Uh, I yeah. play this one over and over and over again. Uh, the picking guitar at the start is just beautiful. You know, it's it's not you know over the top amazing uh, guitar, but it is. It's a romantic song. It's just sweet. Mm-hmm. It's beautiful. It's gorgeous. It's one that I can pop on at any time, absolutely yeah. any time, and my day is gonna become better because I heard bleed to love her and it makes me feel yeah. just full of you know happiness and love and just kind of thinking about you know the times I love people and loving my wife and you know just love I've had in general and I just right. it it's a song that you know brings me a lot of emotion and brings me a lot of joy
1: Funnily, it's almost uh, sort of a morbid thought so sort of, you will bleed to love yeah. I would bleed to <laughs> love yeah. her but I mean the way he sings it, it it doesn't come across that way it comes off as you mentioned very romantic mm-hmm yeah. All right so uh, we kind of mentioned big love earlier and mentioning his, uh, his, his sort of travis style of picking and his you know great guitar style uh, number eight the next one is Big
3: Love' looking out for love I so still Oh how dear
1: All right, so I went back and listened to the Tango in the Night version of this, which is very 80s because Tango in the Night mm-hmm. came out in 87.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, and I for- I almost forgot how the 80s version went until I listened to it, and that and that really kicked into my memory of, oh God, I know we had this album, uh, mm-hmm. Tango in the Night, because of, because of the sound, because it's very very different. Uh, this one is just Lindsey Buckingham, um, all natural, him mm-hmm. and well, okay, he's wearing clothes.
2: Yeah, he's wearing clothes. <laughs> uh,
1: just him and his guitar. And this is where his Travis picking, his uh, Travis style picking, uh, really comes into play because it sounds like there's two different guitars playing, but mm-hmm. it's just him. If you ever see the video, it's just him doing it. And he does the whole song by himself, and it's great. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's great, and I really, really love how he the song develops uh, as uh, you know, as you expect it to, and and he's just picking along until he gets to the very end and that's when he finally you know switches to a strumming style and just it it accelerates it it pushes it pushes it pushes until you get to the very very end
3: yeah
2: for me what really stands out is uh, the emotion in Lindsay mm-hmm. buckingham's singing voice like while he's doing this particularly at the end you know as things are yeah. building as it's going going and he's just going big big love like i, I can't sing as good as him or whatever but <laughs> but like he's just doing that and he's getting into it and i think his he's got a damn good voice honestly it works yeah. really really well um i kind of like it when he does some of those like screams and like the bigger over the top stuff that you hear every now and then um and yeah you already kind of you know picked it apart or whatever but the, the guitar picking is fantastic. I think it was an awesome way to start the song. Um the original Back on Tango in the Night hit number 5, so it was a pretty big hit. Um, mm-hmm. but yeah, this this version I'm with you. To me this is this is the superior version of the uh of the two.
1: And it's a uh, kind of it was a great way of them segueing into the next song which uh we had Big Love was just Lindsey Buckingham and then Stevie Nicks comes out to join him for kind of probably her biggest song ever her most well-known song ever it's definitely her most covered song
2: ever yeah i mean i would even say i mean for me i think it it definitely hers but i still think it's one of fleetwood mac's biggest songs you know yeah you want to tell 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 the people what we're talking about (laughs) (laughs) we're talking about
1: uh landslide
0: i took my love and i took it down i climbed a mountain
2: I do want to say is funny because landslide was not a single when it came out in on the 1975 fleetwood mac album um mm. it, the the this version from the dance was released as a single and it hit 51 but it was just a surprise to me that the actual original song wasn't a single um because yeah it's been covered uh multiple ch- probably smashing pumpkins is the most famous to me Smashing Pumpkins
1: and the the Dixie Chicks, yeah, that one. Both of those, both of those, oddly enough, both of those around the same time. Huh. I think they both just decided around the same time they were going to do it. I can't remember, but I know
2: it was close. Uh, yeah, uh, close to each other when it was released. But like uh, this song, I hear this song probably on the radio more than any other Fleetwood Mac song. Um, right. If I and, and you know, it's not. It's it's just funny because it's not wasn't a big big hit for them earlier, but like that this is one of the first songs i think of when i think of either stevie nicks or fleetwood mac
3: Mm
1: -hmm. yeah it's probably the first one i think of when i think of stevie nicks for sure yeah
2: maybe not the first one i think of when i
1: think of fleetwood mac as a whole but there are other songs either on this album or on other albums that are more a little bit more dear to me Mm -hmm. interestingly enough and and i don't want i don't i don't want to do this anytime soon uh, but it would be fun to go back and do a top 10 with Fleetwood Mac to do top 10 favorite Fleetwood Mac songs mm, because mm-hmm. um some of my I like I love all these songs but I can tell you and it would probably be a little bit of a giveaway but I'm going to go ahead and say it cuz who knows if we'll ever get to that list <laughs> uh my favorite Fleetwood Mac song doesn't have Lindsey Buckingham on it it's it's uh, huh. uh Bob Bob Weston singing whoa okay so but however that is it's the only song on that album I like but it's my favorite Fleetwood Mac song <laughs> Interesting. Yeah, it'd be an interesting list to do because I think it might. Mm-hmm. I think you know we we've definitely found out whenever we do top tens on on music, we have different you know even yeah. while we have like similar styles, they're still distinct. Yeah, definitely uh, the difference does show. All right, let's move it along to number eleven, which is this version of the song is is to me the definitive version, and I love it mm-hmm. more than the original version, uh, and that's the Christine McVee led song "Say You Love Me." At them you know we we've it, they've kind of built us up in this we've got we had big love with just Buckingham uh Stevie Nicks joined for landslide and then the rest of the band comes out but they in if you watch the video they all line up together in the front uh Mick Fleetwood plays a little cocktail kit which is like a little tiny drum set that you can stand up and play mm. so he's standing up and playing with some brushes and there and uh Lindsay Buckingham grabs a banjo mm-hmm. and we get a different sounding version of of "Say You yeah. Love Me" than from the album, and I'll be honest, I prefer this version. I agree. The banjo adds a lot to the song. It does, and it just makes it it makes it fun, it, more fun than I think the original version does,
2: yeah. and and just adds a different sound. Yeah, it's, it does. It does have a. It's a fun song. It does have a fun different sound. I like the harmonizing. Again, these these people know how to harmonize. Um, yeah, it works really well together. Uh, the original peaked at number 11 back in 1976 um and you know just kind of listening to the song it just seems like a fun it seems like a fun one about like a you know a, a fun sexual relationship or something but i've also read that the song might be all about cocaine abuse and, and smoking <laughs> like so i don't know maybe because when i when i read that i went and reread the lyrics and so i was like yeah, that kind of works really well. <laughs> that kind of works crazy well. So maybe. Um, but yeah, it, it's it's super fun. And the way you put it, the banjo just adds a whole, it, 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 it amps up the fun factor. Yeah, adds a new dimension. Yeah, yeah, definitely.
1: So let's move on to the next one, which is another uh, Lindsey Buckingham song that uh, I believe was intended to be on his solo album that never materialized, mm-hmm. uh, which it was... Another song that was one of my favorites when I was a teenager, yeah. not as much now. Now that yeah. I, to me, it's a little too cheesy. Now that I'm older and I've gone back and listened to it, but it was an, it was an interesting uh, change. And that's a song called "My Little Demon."
3: My little demon coming on down. My little demon's turning me around. All of my friends, are all telling me. ain't the man I used to be
1: Interestingly enough, I, I looked to see if this song showed up anywhere on on his albums, and it, it never did. This is the only version that was ever put out um, mm-hmm. from Lindsey Buckingham. But So there's an interesting cover by the band Midnight Notion that does this as like, an, a, like a hard rock song, which I totally can hear when I listen to the original. I can see someone going, yep. you know what? We can turn this into a hard rock song. Do you want to hear some yeah. of it? I would love to hear some of it.
3: My little demon coming on down My little demon turning me around All my friends all telling me That I just ain't the man I used to be I really don't like it Ain't nothing I can do
2: You know what that reminds me of? That kind of reminds me of like I don't know, like those the late '90s lit and like those kind of bands. Like I I feel like that style fits really well, like (laughs) like with those. Like it it works. I like that. It totally works. Yeah, it's not it's not a
1: it's not a bad version. I I I don't think the singer sings it as well as obviously Lindsey Buckingham does. But they took a song and put it into a version, and I totally understand both versions. Mm -hmm. You know, I mean, you know. You obviously have a song talking about, you know, everyone has inner demons and even kind of mentions um, when he's talking to the audience beforehand. Yeah. You know, everyone has uh, these demons, these things that you fight with. And um, he's just kind of not necessarily making light of it, but kind of just acknowledging that, you know, everyone yeah. has these things.
2: Yeah. You know, talks about the importance, you know, of, you know, learning not to give in to them and whatnot. I mean, I'm actually quite with you uh, where. I liked it when I was younger and I still like the song, I still appreciate it but not as much. You can kind of tell this song isn't as good as yeah. pretty much any of the other songs on the album honestly. Um, but it's fun. It's a fun little song. It's, uh, yeah. it's kind of a nice little change of pace. I think it's one where it was a really great
1: concept and I think how it started was good and I think a little too much cheese got thrown mm-hmm. into it. Maybe it was a little maybe it was a little too much of the 90s that got uh-huh. through that got through into the song. Um, where I just I don't think it materialized the way it, it it should have, but it's still a fun song. Like if if oh, yeah. you know, if I had if I was forced to listen to the song, I wouldn't be mad about it. No, I'd listen not. to it. I'd sing along with it. All right, so let's move on to number twelve, and I want to say that for the longest time, I also used to skip number twelve. Oh wow! And it's only been well, probably in the last five or six years of of having revisited the song. That I forgot how good of a song it was, and have now it. Well, whenever I'm listening to this album, I don't bother skipping it, it you know, it stays in the yeah. rotation. Uh, and that is the song Silver Springs. So I think um it being a slower song at start mm-hmm. that uh, it was just another one that teenage me never really was was as much interested in. And yeah. I, I think I just kept that mentality for a long time and didn't bother to give it an extra chance until one day I, I just kinda and I kinda remember like listening I just had it on, I'm like,
2: ah, I'm just gonna let it play. And then listening to it, I thought, oh Oh, this really is a good song. Yeah, it. You know what? I can kind of see what you're talking about, and I don't. You know, I don't remember if it was one that I did skip a lot, but especially coming off of My Little Demons and knowing that mm-hmm. like You Make Love and Fun is next, this one it starts off well, with like those little chimes and like just the bing bong, like just kind of slow stuff. I mean, it really is much slower than the other songs around this, and mm-hmm. so I could if you know if you're moving already, like you're gonna this one's gonna just put you at a dead stop. And, you know, if you want to skip it to keep kind of fun, boppy, fun songs, then I, I can totally see why you would skip it. But you're right, though. This is a, a fantastic song. Um, and actually, it was it was intended to be on the album Rumors, but they excluded it from the album. So, unfortunately, even though as hard as, you know, Stevie Nicks pushed for it to be on there, ultimately it, it got canned or got p- brushed aside. Uh, yeah. And apparently, like, the, the al- Rumors is engineer and like kind of co-producer said it was the best song that he ever heard that never made it to an album recording. Um yeah. or you know to, or to the record on an album, which it was. You know, this song yeah. was released on a B side to go your own way, but um it's uh it's kind of funny because this song is all it's kind of about the breakup of Stevie Nicks and Lindsay Buckingham. Um right. and there's another song on the Rumors out that was actually on the Rumors album that was also about the breakup, but it was <laughs> Lindsay's song. It was Lindsay Buckingham's ah. song, and that one made it on the album, but Stevie Nicks' ah. song did not make it on the album. Uh, this version of the song was released as a single. It hit number 41. Uh, and just in general, I do I think it's a fantastic song. I mean, Stevie Nicks, you know, she is, man, she's she's the gypsy of our heart and, and our hippie soul, man. She is just, yep. just, just fantastic. I think our mom, if she... Could have been like you know reborn as anybody. I think she wanted to be Stevie Nicks more than anybody else. <laughs> <laughs> and but who wouldn't? It, I mean, yeah, maybe I besides, know.
1: Besides the Coke nose, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it, it makes me think. I wonder how many songs, uh, because obviously this song got enough play somehow that people knew it for them to mm-hmm. to redo this. Because yeah. enough people knew the song, it's like, oh, we're gonna do Silver Springs. And I I, I remember people definitely have heard of it. And it made me think of another song, um, not that it sounds anything like it, but if you think of the song Yellow Leadbetter by Pearl Mm -hmm. Jam, Mm -hmm. it was a
2: B-side. Oh, where, oh, where can my baby be? The Lord took her away from me. She's gone to heaven, so you've got to be good. Is that the right song? Yeah, that is the right song. No. Oh, I was singing Last Kiss, wasn't I?
3: Yeah. Shit, Not even close. Oh, well.
2: No, it's no. totally different. That one also didn't appear on an album, I don't think. Well, no, but that one was
1: released for a specific reason. Yeah, that one was yeah. released um, as like a benefit to, I think, what was going on in the, in the Balkans at the time you're, or something.
2: You're right. You're right. Uh, My bad. No, no, no.
1: I forget what Yellow Letter... Yellow Letter was a, a, a B-side to something, and I can't remember what it was. It might have been something off of 10 or Vitalogy. I can't yeah. remember. Um, but that one be- got a lot of radio play. So, So I was trying to make the connection here, but... <laughs> You kind of took us off track with that. My laugh. bad. My bad.
2: Please go, go back to the connection.
1: All right. No, no, no. Let's move on. Let's move on. Okay. Uh, that's all right, Adam. You're making this recording fun. <laughs> oh, yeah? You make recording fun. Just like uh, just like Christine McVie makes love and fun. tried you tried tri- <laughs> you failed tried. but you tried <laughs> i failed all right uh this this is another fun christine McVie song you make love and fun
2: um also off of their rumors album yeah it originally hit number nine uh back in 1977 um famously this song uh was inspired you know uh from McVie from an affair that she had uh with the band's lighting director curry grant <laughs> <Wow>. uh <laughs> Yeah. So, um, you know, this, this whole, this was rumors. The entire album was like everybody hating everyone else. And like uh, everybody's relationships was falling apart because the John McVie and Christine McVie were like, you know, they were getting separated and cheating on each other and all that kind of shit. And Mick Fleetwood's yeah. relationship that he had, which was from someone not in, 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 a band, in the band, uh, was also falling apart because he was pretty much affairing with everybody and, right. um, and then Stevie Nicks and Lindsey Buckingham were having kind of on-again, off-again, on-again, off-again bullshit that they hated each other. And then eventually eventually, Stevie Nicks and Mick Fleetwood had a cocaine-fueled love affair later. Like, it was just right. crazy shit. Uh, yeah. but, but it's kind of a dig on John McVie because, you know, you think it's a poppy fun song about, yeah, love is fun with you, man. Uh, but, like, she's like, yeah, it is with this guy that I'm, I'm fucking this other dude and not you. <laughs> like, that kind of thing. Um But uh, apparently, apparently the story is to avoid, you know, flare ups. Uh, She apparently told her then husband, John McVie that the song was about her dog and she just, you know, loving poppy fun song about my dog or something. I don't know. That's (laughs) the story is. But uh, the truth aside from all the insanity, it's a fun, cute song. You know, it's simple and I like it a lot. Yeah.
1: So what I'm getting out of this, Adam, is that if you want to have a hit record, you need two (laughs) things. You mm-hmm. need cocaine, and you need like a. Co- you need, everyone in your band needs to have a love affair with everyone else.
2: Yeah, you need love triangles like crazy. It becomes like love prisms, love you right. know quintuplegams or whatever. Yeah, hexagons exactly. Uh, and then all the cocaine. Like that. Yep. Every song that I looked into, like oh, what is the meaning of this, or you know, some background about it. The word cocaine showed up on almost every fucking <laughs> song's background. <laughs> it's insane. Yeah. Uh the 70s.
1: <laughs> and the 80s. 70s yeah. and the 80s. Yep. Uh, all right. Uh, then we move on to another song, which admittedly, I do skip this one. Okay. This one really doesn't do anything for me. <laughs> uh, sorry. The, this this one, and I'm so afraid of the two that I definitely skip. Uh, yeah. and this one is called Sweet Girl.
0: Where would you go if you had the time crossing some crazy-
2: Yeah, this is a new song for this live album. Um, and I'm pretty certain that this is the only album that it came out, out on. They didn't put it out mm-hmm. anywhere else or whatnot. I don't hate this song. I like this song quite a bit. I think okay. it's very solid and I think it fits the Fleetwood Mac style very well. It's not a top 10 hit, not mm-hmm. by any means, but I think it's a decent filler. And I think this could have been like a strong filler song for any of their regular albums. You know, going back and thinking, you know, okay, why did they keep this on? For the CD version and not some of the other big hits that they actually also did play during this concert does make mm. it kind of a, a strange thought, you know, as to again why would they keep this and not hips Gypsy or Little Eyes or whatever? Um, but it, I, I I like the song. I, I very much enjoy it and I don't I don't ever skip it personally.
1: Yeah, although I can I can also see like all of them getting together and be like, okay, let's do this concert, but they each want to have a mm. chance to to put a new song because you know we got we got a new one yeah uh from christine mcvee with temporary one we got a couple new ones from lindsey buckingham and we got uh, a new one from stevie nicks and that might have just been yeah. part of it. it was like you know let's put out this album but let's have some new you know material what? to go in with it
2: yeah because they all probably needed a compromise just to be able to you know do this album and right. to do this and be together in the same room so like uh-uh you don't get a new song if i don't get a new song motherfucker that kind of thing <laughs> All right, so let's move
1: on to the next one. Uh we're we're coming on the and in, into the back stretch. Um which is sort of the last song on the album. That's not the last song, but if you were at the the concert, it was sort of the last one. It's the, it's the fake ending. Mhm. Um every, everyone knows the band is going to come back on for an encore. <laughs> uh but it's the fake ending one and it was uh one of their biggest radio hits. I don't I don't know how it charted, but it definitely got a lot of air of uh radio play uh, and that's the Lindsay Buckingham song Go Your Own
3: Way Loving you isn't the
1: What is there to say about Go Your Own Way? I mean, er, I I think this might be, well, okay, this may not be their most famous song, mm-hmm. and I'm not talking about chart, chart-topping, chart because sometimes yeah. I don't think fame, the fame of a song has anything to do with how well it charted. Um, yeah. I definitely it's one of their best-known best songs. Um, it is, for sure. It's probably their, I, if I had to quantify it, maybe their second best behind uh, the one that ends up being the very last song on the album.
2: Mm. Okay. Yeah. I mean this so this did it hit, it hit number 10 back in 1977 um, on the Rubbers album. Mm-hmm. Uh you know, it, I'm with you. Yeah. You know, it, it is known as a it's a cl- great classic rock song. You know, it's just fantastic. Um, this is the breakup song that Lindsey Buckingham wrote uh, kind of directed towards Stevie Nicks, basically mm-hmm. just saying like go oh, fuck off, you can go your own way. We don't I don't care if we're together anymore, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, so it's just, it's just fantastic. Just kind of looking, <laughs> looking at how they all kind of loved, but hated each other at the same time. And, and God, so much cocaine. Uh, but, <laughs> but yeah, this song it has got strong, good. Like I like the solo guitar work that they have in this song yeah. as well. It works yeah. really good. Um, th- yeah and in general the song is catchy, it just moves great. You know, it is a it is a fun classic song and I can see a perfect song to do as your fake ender.
1: It's a good one uh, to le- leave everyone uh, wanting more, mm-hmm. you know. Dies down and then we get the the build up into uh which is their next song and the only song off of the Tusk album to be played on this concert mm-hmm. which is the song Tusk. Mm-hmm. This is another one where I prefer this version to the studio mm-hmm. version. Um, I forgot this. For some reason, I forgot the studio version also has the horns on it. Oh, okay. I kind of forget that too. The mix of the studio version doesn't sound good to me. Yeah. Uh, I don't like and, and I've listened through most of the dusk album and uh, I hate to say it, there's not a lot of really great songs on that album. <laughs> at, least, at least from ones that I, that, you know, from my ear. Uh-huh. Um, and maybe, I I went on a, a, a bender this week, and I, I ended up driving to California, so I had a lot of time in the car to listen to stuff. So um, after I listened to this album, I was still kind of wanting more Fleetwood Mac, so I went through a whole bunch of ones, you know, Tango in the Night, Rumors, mm-hmm. um, and I got to Tusk, and listened through Tusk, and I'm like, God, this
3: sucks. <laughs>
1: <laughs> Ouch. Burn on Tusk. Yeah. I love the song Tusk, but I love this version of it. Um, yeah. And... F- you know, famously, uh, if you saw the the video of this, um, there's a, a in the middle. Mick Fleetwood does this little um, drum solo, which he also does in the studio version, which is weird because it doesn't really make sense why it's in the studio version, but it is, mm-hmm. so it it fits, um, and. If you're watching the video when the drum solo happens a whole bunch of people come out of the of the woodwork and it turns out it's the University of Southern California Trojan Marching Band um who come and play the horn parts uh, I believe the Trojan Marching Band used the song Tusk as one of their stand songs for many many years mm. um and I think that's I think they've kind of always been associated with that song because I think they've used it probably <laughs> since Tusk came out and I believe 78 or 79 yeah 79 <laughs> 79. I think they've been using it since then. So it's one of the songs that if you go to a USC uh, football game, you'll probably hear them play that song.
2: It's funny. I'm kind of looking at the uh, the Tusk album right now. And there's a whole shit ton of songs on that album. Yeah, it's a big album. And the only kind of ones that are stand out to me is Sarah. Uh, Sarah's a great song and Tusk and maybe Storms. Uh, but some of the other stuff I don't really care for as much. But yeah, yeah, you're right. So yeah, that's a lot of that's a lot of extra stuff on. Wow, wow it's like 20 <laughs> songs on that damn album. Who the hell needs that? Yeah. I think it was a I think it was a double like a double uh, vinyl yeah. double vinyl album. Yeah, it looks like it. Um but you're yeah. right. This this album is fantastic. Um the original did hit number 8 back in 79. Uh but mm-hmm. this one it's simple. It's a simple song in general, but it's yeah. very catchy. Uh I love that, you know, yeah, as you put it after that drum solo the 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 inclusion of the band it just kind of fills out some extra sounds to it that it Mm -hmm. it brings it a whole new kind of thing that kind of makes it um you know a new better stronger version and i'm with you i I like i like this version probably better than the original uh and it's funny because i wanted to watch how the band kind of came out and joined on this one so Mm -hmm. I, i went to youtube and watched this one and you know everybody's just having a good time and just, you know, the band's coming on and, and, and as is Stevie Nicks, but Stevie Nicks has no vocals in this in this song. She's just, she's uh. just kind of like there and you just see her just kind of like hippie dancing with a tambourine, like going crazy, just <laughs> kind of <laughs> wailing on the tambourine. Just me like, you got nothing to do Stevie right now. You're just kind of just going off. your on of your fucking tambourine thing, just going yep. nuts. And I don't, I don't even think that there's a microphone to catch it. She just, she's, <laughs> she's, she's just tambourining pretty hard, but in general though, yeah, Tusk, Tusk is a fun, fun song, and uh, they
1: leave. They let the band stay out, and the band, uh, the Trojan Marching Band, joins them for what is quite possibly their probably most their most well known song. It was used, I believe, by by Bill Clinton as one of his um, campaign songs. Oh, gotcha. That would make sense. I I believe it was, uh, and that is Christine McVie's song, "Don't Stop." If you wake up, Kind of like the, I mean, I, re- I really do love the original version of the song of "Don't mm-hmm. Stop." It's a great version. Um, it's probably and to me, I think it's probably a little bit of the better version, or it's the you know, it's, the, it's more polished, the real version, the polished version. Um, but this version is fun. I like that they included the band in this. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, keeping them out there is fun, and it is just it's good stuff. And
1: I, I like the way that they end the concert with it too, because the band is playing. And, you know, you, you get that fun sort of bum, ba-dum, ba-dum. And, you know, the band plays. And I think it just dies out in the album. But here, the band dies out, or the, sorry, Fleetwood Mac dies out, but they let mm-hmm. the marching band continue it going. So you get mm-hmm. the you get the drum line playing very simple. <laughs> Boom,
3: cha cha-oom, um, cha, um,
1: cha um, And while the band, you know, kind of brings it to a close and... I believe on the video, if I remember correctly, uh, the band kind of walks off, except for me at Fleetwood, who runs back to the big gong that's in the back that hasn't really been used the whole time, and like just bashing up against it, like yeah. getting the big gong sound. And then the band kind of, you know, ends it on a really nice high note, and that it ends a, you know, it ends the uh, ends the, the concert.
2: Yeah, uh, it's a perfect song as an ender. Um, the original on the Rumours album uh, hit number three in 1977. So yeah, it was a big hit. Um, and the song itself just don't stop. Apparently reflects Christine McVie's feelings after her separation, uh, from John McVie after eight years of marriage where you're just like, okay, just keep going, you know, don't stop. Um, you know, keep going, you know, yesterday's gone, but you know, all that kind of stuff. Right. i um, just kind of, I guess to kind of keep herself going or maybe, maybe telling it even to John or something. But, um, yeah it's fantastic everything you put it's super fun it's driving it's upbeat it's just it's great 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 stuff um (laughs) that i love it yeah and you're right i did i did watch the 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 uh, live version as well with the band and yeah, Mick Fleetwood just kind of goes a little, a little nuts. He kind of <laughs> enjoys the, the limelight as everyone else steps off stage and he's right. like the last band member there. But uh, it's, it's a perfect ender because it just ends with a great amount of energy.
1: Interestingly enough, four months after this album uh, was released, Christine McVie quit the band. Oh, geez. she,
2: she was done with that shit. She
1: didn't rejoin the band until 2014. Jeez. Okay, so there so, was yeah. a there was a long period of time where she was not doing anything with them. Um, they they are they have been touring touring, um, and I know this because I'm pissed off because they're coming to Vegas actually very soon, and it's when I am out of town, so I will not get to see them. Yeah. Um, and I, I had a heart attack because I I read on there what I thought it said was the final concert like oh "Oh god this is their last tour but all it said was it was the final stop it was the final stop of the tour that they were doing so it was whatever so so hopefully um that i kept every time they show up in town i'm like oh god it's the last time but they've showed up about three times in the last three years so i'm i'm hoping they'll come back again next year at a time when i can actually go see a show because i would this is another you know bucket list band for me to to see live yeah no kidding so why don't we go into our final thoughts adam why don't you start us off
2: uh I I don't have many final thoughts because I've said everything already about this album, how much I appreciate it, how much I listen to it, how much, you know, it's just meant to me as a good strong album. How is it, how is it a fantastic live album um and it really sets a standard for just great songs and how much I appreciate Fleetwood Mac and um it's one and these versions are ones that I will listen to forever. I absolutely adore it, and I love Fleetwood Mac, and I want to go back and like re-listen to some other albums now, just because mm-hmm. yeah, I'm on a Fleetwood Mac high, and this is the kind of album that gets you that that you want to just keep listening to more. And you you apparently did exactly that, and now I want to <laughs> do it because I just did my research just today right before we recorded this, and so now I, I need I'm craving it, man. I'm craving some mac and <laughs> Fleetwood and cheese and whatever. Oh, I love that. Uh, <laughs> I just need it all right now. Damn it, I'm 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 a little hungry. <laughs> All right. Uh I that's pretty much
1: all I was going to say as well. I've kind of said everything I need to say. It's a, it is a wonderful album. Um it's not one that I've ever let out of my periphery. I come back to it on a fairly regular basis. Um and it's another one where it's like it's the whole album. It's not I, it's not that I come back for certain songs. I gen- in general I come back for the entire album. Because mm-hmm. it, it is so good. It's, it's, it's fun to hear them live. It's just, uh, it was a great, it's a great reminder of the great songs that this band was capable of and kept doing apparently because there were songs that I didn't realize weren't classics. <laughs> All right. Well, that was our review of the Fleetwood Mac live album, The Dance. Please join us next time for our holiday episode as we break down the 1988 animated film, American Tale, discuss the 90s cartoon Pinky and the Brain, and cast the superhero team X-Factor into the Marvel Universe. If you have any questions or comments, you can reach us at blastfromourpast@gmail.com. at gmail.com, and if you want to suggest a movie or TV show from your childhood or to be a guest on the podcast, go over to patreon.com backslash blastpastcast and pick a tier that works for you. To find us on social media, search for at blastpastcast. So until next time, I'm John. And I'm Adam.